Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome. We are here at Life Hacks, um, part five of this series. I think we may actually extend this another two weeks because uh, there's so much stuff to, to, to talk about and based on the calendar, the schedule, and everything coming up. So anyway, really, really fun series. We've been looking at this idea that not only do you want to know how to hammer a nail without hitting your thumb? Do you want to be able to start a fire with Doritos? Do you want to be able to do two bowls in the microwave without spilling? And all those great life hacks, what we learned is this, is that really there is the ultimate life hack, which is wisdom, right? Like, I mean, it's important to know some of them things, but the bigger life hack is wisdom. And here's the deal. The Bible's given us really two large books called Proverbs or maybe the Bible's given us Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as these two wisdom books. They're actually called wisdom literature. And so this is a really, really big deal because here's, I don't know if you know this or not, but your heavenly father loves you and wants you to live an abundant life. And to do that, you need to have this thing called wisdom. That's how you hack life. That's how you get ahead. That's how you live in God's best. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this idea that really the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And if you weren't here that week, you need to go listen to that message. That, that would be crucial to your life because ultimately wisdom begins with the idea of before I say anything and before I do anything, I just step back and I say, you know what? I respect and honor God. So would that please God or displease God or honor God or dishonor God or what I'm about to say is, would that be wise? Well, let me just consider God before I go doing and saying anything. And so the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Last week, we talked about this. I think this was last week is that the life hack that unlocks all future life hacks is having a teachable spirit. That when you will surrender your pride and your ego and stop being a know-it-all or stop kind of rejecting the advice or the counsel of wise people in your life, when you seek out wisdom, when you pursue wisdom and counsel and advice, when you do that, it actually unlocks all future life hacks. Because if you're not a teachable person, then all of a sudden you're resisting God and you're resisting his wisdom in your life. And so anyway, but today... Today we will get into something very specific. Really, this is the first one where we get into like a real specific topic, I guess. And today I want to talk to you because Proverbs talks to you about this huge idea about your words. So the Bible says the tongue many times, but it's just your words. That the words that come out of your mouth are so absolutely crucial or important. You cannot dismiss your words. Sometimes we say stuff and then we go, oh, well, I didn't mean that. Yeah, but you said it. It's, it's crucial. It's so important. Sometimes we say stuff and like, hey, I was just, I was just kidding. Um, sometimes we speak without thinking and then we regret those words. You ever, you ever said that before? You've been in the wrong place at the wrong time and you said something dumb and you're like, I wish I could get that back. And you can't get it back. And so now, now Jesus says something really interesting about your words. What he says is that your words are a diagnostic. Um, let me put it like this. How many of you enjoy going to the doctor? Yep, nothing. Um, man, I, I had to go to the doctor. This is probably like a year ago, man. I, I'm telling you what, there was something going on. I just want to make sure it was cool. And so, man, it's the weirdest environment. They make you put on that weird gowny thing that ties in the back. And then they make you sit. Remember, they pull the paper out onto the thing. Yeah, sit on paper. You're crunching. It's just, it's a bad environment. And, they, and then... And then they, you know, they're doing all, they're looking in your ears and your eyes and they're banging on your knees to see if they still work. And then, and then, but they do something in there that's a diagnostic is they, they stick that, that little, you know, what do you call it? It's a little stick. It's, no, not the thermometer, the stick. 
It's a popsicle stick. Thank you. Let's just keep it real. It's a popsicle stick. And then they say, open up your mouth and say, ah, they do that. And you know why they do that? It's because your tongue is a diagnostic. Because your tongue can reflect what's going on on the inside, right? And so Jesus says the same thing. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So actually you can look at your words and then reverse diagnose and be like, "Mm, if I'm saying this, that means there's something in here that's causing those words to come out. And so you could, you could think of it like this. When I'm speaking angry words, there's hurt in my heart. When there's, I I could go through the list, but he said, there's a diagnostic to it. It reveals the condition of your heart. Now Solomon says something different. It's just the reflective version or the opposite version of it. He said, not only really are words a diagnostic of what's in your heart. What he says is that the word, your words are a predictor of your future. You ever think about that? Your words are a forecaster of what's coming down the road in your life. That you can look and examine your words and that will kind of reveal where you're heading in life. This is what he says. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you just need to know that your words do matter. So, so simply saying, well, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. I was just kidding. We need to take a look back because Solomon said death and life, depending on what you say and what you choose to say, depending on how carefully you choose your words, that death and life are coming out of your mouth. And what would God want us to choose? God would want us to choose life. But we need to be incredibly careful that we're not choosing death. Here's five, really five things that come out of your mouth that I think are, are things... That's death in the tongue right there. Number one is this. The Proverbs actually speak of excessive words. Now, let's, let's just own it real quick here. How many of us maybe you talk a little too much? Anybody? Yep. You're talking about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. Proverbs says a couple of interesting things. It's Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he holds his tongue. They're wise. This is... You know what? This is a better one. Let's do the next one. This one's even better. Even fools are thought wise... If they just don't say anything. Isn't that so true? You can be dumber than a box of rocks. But if you just sit there and don't say nothing, nobody knows. You just look, put on some glasses. Like that's that, ever since I started wearing glasses. So like, you look smarter now. I'm like, thanks. If I just don't open up my mouth, they'll never know. You know, so, so yeah. And so if you talk, let's just be honest. It's just math at some point, right? That if you are a very uh, chatty Kathy, if you're very talkative, if you're a motor mouth, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use, if you talk a lot, it's just math, that we increase the words coming out of our mouth, we are increasing the odds that we say something foolish or wrong or inappropriate or something. And so anyway, Solomon just said, be careful that you are not somebody that has an excess of words because that could get you into trouble. Number two is this, and this is a big summary for everybody say fighting words. You ever been, remember you're on the playground? All of a sudden somebody says something about your mom, been fighting words right? Fighting words. But the Bible would maybe, I mean, this is a broad term, rude words, crude words, critical words, negative words, uh, curse words, but not in the sense of like, Ooh, he said a dirty word. No, no, no. When the Bible talks about curse, it's talking about your words to put another human being down. And so you have to be careful of this because listen to what this wives bear with me. Cause the, Solomon throws y'all under the bus a little bit. Now he had a thousand wives in his defense. So he learned a thing or two, right? But listen to this. Sorry, but this is, this is a universal truth, but this is, he picks on wives a little bit. Proverbs 21, 9 says, Better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a what? With a quarrelsome wife. Yeah, so you don't want fighting, yeah, fighting words, lady. Uh, this one's better. This, this, some are better than others. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof 
in a rainstorm. I feel like Solomon just chose fighting words with all the women in this place. I didn't say that. I just want y'all to know. I don't agree. I don't know that I agree with that. But, but Solomon said that, right? So you can email him. And so, uh, so the, the point is this, is that he was saying like in marriage, you need to be careful because like you, you, got, you got fighting words, quarrelsome words. You're always wanting to like pick a fight and argue. And then, like I said, it's a broad term for this idea of anytime you're just negative and critical and harsh and rude and mean with your words, you need to know that that is death coming out of your mouth. And so be really, really careful of that. There's this funny story I came across. It was about this young man. He worked at a grocery store and this, uh, this woman came up to him and said, Hey, I want to buy some lettuce, but I only want half a head of lettuce. So I, can you, can you sell me half a head of lettuce? And he's like, look lady, it's a, it just comes as a full head. It's just, no, you buy the whole head. You, no. And she's like, well, look, I shop here all the time and I only need half a head of less. And finally he's like, well, I, I go, I'll go ask the manager. And he's really frustrated at this point. And so he walks over to the manager and he goes, this dumb nitwit of a woman has asked me to buy a half a head of lettuce. And the manager's eyes lit up and he's like, the woman had followed him over, standing right behind him. And so the young, young man turns and looks, and he's quick on his feet, and he goes, and this beautiful woman wants to know if she can buy the other half of the head of lettuce right here. So, some dumb, I don't know, but this woman, she wants to buy the other half. And so, yeah, yeah, so you want to be careful, because when you have critical words, that sets the tone for your relationship. Critical words, we know, tear people down. And so he said, death is coming out of your words. When you're constantly rude and offensive and critical and nasty with your words, there is death coming out of your mouth. Number three is this. Everybody say, everybody say gossip words. Yeah, some gossip words. You need to be careful with gossip words. Proverbs eleven thirteen says this, that a gossip betrays a confidence but a trustworthy, trustworthy man keeps a secret. And there's, there's a ton of scriptures on gossip all, all throughout the Bible, particularly in Proverbs. You need to know that gossip is an issue. That is death coming out of your mouth. And if you think that it, it's, it's kind of a light thing, always ask yourself this question. Have you ever been gossiped about? And how'd that turn out? How'd that make you feel? How did you appreciate that? For somebody to throw you under the bus, for somebody to uncover your dirty laundry, for somebody to maybe even make up stuff about you, to talk about you behind your back, it is harmful to the soul. You know it. You feel devastated when you find out somebody that you, you thought loved you or was for you or had your back all of a sudden talking about you. It is destructive. And so it's this, it's this dual nature, though, because you know that gossip words are destructive to you, but then all of a sudden you start speaking those words. You're partaking in that death and destruction now. And here's the other thing, too. You need to be careful because gossip is not just a proactive thing. Sometimes it's, you're just the listener, right? You aren't the one dishing the goods. You just were the ones entertaining them, and you were listening. And here, here's the deal. Gossip has a little bit of a supply and demand component to it. When people start gossiping to you and you all of a sudden, hey, you know what? I just rather not talk about them when they're not here to defend themselves or whenever, you know, you, you start hearing somebody, hey, just so you know, man, I don't, I'd rather not just engage in that kind of conversation. When you shut that stuff down, it just sets a tone. But here, here's the deal. When, whenever you, here's what you need to know. Whenever you are a gossip and you're sharing information with somebody else, you need to know this too. That when they are listening to you in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I bet... She's talking about me. I bet he's talking about me when I'm not around. 
So it has this incredibly destructive nature to your relationship. So don't be a listener of gossip. There's supply and demand there. And then, and then just know that if you're a gossip, not only are you hurting the person you're talking to, you're hurting your own reputation. Because when you know a true gossip in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I wonder what they say about me when I'm not around. So all these things are destructive. Death is what Solomon would say. Number four is this is kind of an obvious one. We know this one, lying words. Yeah, the Bible talks about this very particularly and a lot in the book of Proverbs, lying words. Now, I want you to watch this. This is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 16. It says this. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates. That's strong language. If you got little kids, you're like, we don't say hate. Uh, well, God hates certain things. And it says seven are detestable to him. That means that's like upset stomach. Ugh, I hate this. Um, and this is seven things. Haughty eyes. That's pridefulness. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now, I want you to know, out of seven things, two of them had directly to deal with lying. Whenever you lie, and you're, you're you, again, the Bible would kind of use this idea of when you lie about another person, you're bearing false witness. You're like almost trying to get them in trouble. Sometimes we're not lying about another person. Sometimes we're just lying about ourselves, which is weird because it's like, why am I lying? Why? We usually we're lying to get out of trouble, right? We're lying to cover something up. We're lying to make ourselves appear to be something that we're not. And he goes, either way, it's bad. It is destructive. There is death coming out of your mouth. Number five is this, and the last one, I'm just stealing this one from Jesus. This is idle words. Idle words. Um, this is found in the book of Proverbs, but it's indirectly found. Let me tell you what Jesus said, though. Jesus said this in Matthew 12. He said, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every idle word or careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh, the, the, the idea of idle, when I say the word idle words, when, when I think of idle, I think about a car that's running but not moving. It's idle Sometimes our mouth is moving, but our body doesn't follow up with it. It's, or we make promises that we don't keep. We make covenants that we don't keep. We tell people that we're going to do something, and then we're flaky. You know, I'm talking, you know anybody that's flaky? They don't go to this church, some other church. Um, that's not you, it's other people. Uh, they're flaky. All the, they say they're going to be, be somewhere. You're like, they're not coming. You ever do that? You have a friend that you make odds with? Like all of a sudden, like you're with your buddies. You're like, he said he was going to be here. All right, what's the bet? I got 70-30, he's not coming. You got that guy? Because why? You want to be a person, so the book of Proverbs uses this word called integrity. I mean, repeatedly through the book of Proverbs, integrity. It just means I will do what I said I was going to do. There is no duplicity in me. I am who you see, and this is, this is, I'm consistent. And so here's this idea of you want to be a person who makes your promises and keeps your promises. You want to be a person that your handshake is solid. Your word is solid. People know that they can trust you. You will not be held accountable before God because you made a bunch of promises that you did not keep. And you can see, now here's the deal. When you look at all of these things, gossip words and lying words and idle words and all these different things, here's what I want you to see what the big theme is. The big theme is this, is that all of these things are connected to your relationships. Did you notice that? Like God wants you to have great relationships and you can't have great relationships when you lie. Do you know why? Because as soon as you know somebody is a liar, you don't know when to trust them. You don't know how far you can trust them. You don't know. You're like, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, again, that becomes the reputation with gossip words. You don't trust that person. Why? Because you know if they're talking about them when they're not around, they're talking about you. When you're not around, all of a sudden you, you have to pull back. You cannot engage in great 
relationships. And so this is so crucial because God wants you to have great relationships. And clearly this is an indicator of how well you're relating with God. Do you trust God that you can just use life-giving words and allow him to bless your life? You don't have to lie and make stuff up and cover stuff up. You don't have to lie about other people. You don't have to gossip. You don't have to do any of that. Why? No, I'm going to speak life and trust God. As a matter of fact, the idea of speaking life, remember that's what Solomon said, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who figure that out learn to like eat of its fruit. It just means this, is that you will reap the rewards of speaking life. Now, the Bible uses this other word. It would say instead of speaking life, it would use the word bless. Everybody say bless. Now, bless can kind of be a churchy word sometimes. You go up in a church, but hey, how are you doing? I'm blessed. What does that mean? I'm doing good? Like, but it's, it's kind of a churchy word. When I say to bless, or the Bible uses the word to bless, it means you, do, you use your words to encourage somebody else, to praise somebody else, to lift somebody else up, to speak life into somebody else, to speak hope and healing and faith into somebody's life. And so here's, because here's the deal. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not enough to sit back and say, okay, Todd, all right, all right, don't lie. Okay, I got that. Don't gossip. Don't. Don't talk too much. Don't, 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 don't. Here's what I want you to do. Because the best way to get those things out of your mouth is to stick something else there instead. To, to, to say, you know what? Let me just see. How is it that I can use my words to give life and to bless other people? Now, it's Father's Day. And this is huge for dads because we are the people that sometimes unlock our children's future with the words that we speak over them. We need to be men who bless. Moms, you have to bless. Spouses, you have to bless. So as a matter of fact, let's talk about it. Here's five people that you need to bless in life. Five people you may need to target, you may need to hunt down, and don't send an email or a text because that has, that has no tone to it. You go say it with your mouth. Number one is this, we bless God. You ever think about this? Weird idea because God doesn't need your blessing. He doesn't. God's not having an insecure day. and like, man, I really wish Jim would just tell me I'm awesome. <laughs> You know, I really, I really like you when Tara sings that song about me and it really gets me going. It's not why we bless God, but let's read the scripture anyway. The Bible says, Psalms 104 says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and we give thanks to him and we bless his name. See, when you speak life and you speak the, the praises of God and you speak the greatness of God, really what you do is this. This is the one that really... All you're doing is ushering yourself into God's presence. You're drawing closer and closer to his strength, closer and closer to his presence, closer and closer to his joy, and you get to glean from it. And so I want you to bless God. I want you to live a life where you just bless God. You live a life where your attention, your, fo- your focus, your affection is set on him and you bless him. Because I'm telling you this, when you learn how to be a person who will bless God, it changes your perspective on life. Because most of us are constantly looking at our circumstances. We're looking at our sin. We're looking at our problems. And we're looking at our issues. And we get so fixated on those things. And here's the deal. You move where you focus. So, that's like an amen, I think. It's like, yeah, that's right. Um, you, move, you move where you focus. You're so focused sometimes on your problems that you move into a negative state. I'm telling you, if you turn your attention on God and bless him, you actually would move into that new focus. And you change the way you look at the world. It change the way you look at people. It change the way you look at yourself. It would change your life if you became a person that just learned how to bless God in all of your circumstances. Number two is this. Not only do you bless God, you bless our kids. Yeah, the Bible actually speaks directly of this that we bless our kids, that we speak life over our kids. I find it fascinating. Um, some, sometimes I'll run into a parent and, and I'll be like, well, if they did something good, I'd bless them. Um, no, nah, I just bless them anyway. 
Bust them, like make stuff up if you have to without totally being a liar, but just, just, just put a happy spin on it, try. If you find the smallest thing that they did right, you bless them in that. Because here's the deal. There's this story in Matthew chapter four where Jesus, he's roughly about 30 years old. And, and as far as we know, we really don't know anything about his, his adolescent years, his young, we don't, know, we don't know much about it. But it says when he's 30, he begins his, his real journey into ministry and becoming the son of God as we would know him and becoming the Messiah and living that life, making disciples and what we call the gospel and then eventually dying on a cross and rising again three days later. Started when he was about 30 years old. Now when it started though, it's interesting because he starts with this moment where he goes out to his, his, his cousin John the Baptist. He gets baptized in the Jordan River. And it says that when he comes up out of the water, it says that everybody hears this loud voice and is like, this is my beloved son in who I am well. Well pleased. Before Jesus had ever preached his first sermon, before Jesus had ever healed anybody, before he ever gave anything, died on a cross, before he did anything, his father is modeling this idea of no, you bless them before so that they become the thing that you want them to become. You got to learn how to bless your kids, learn how to speak life over your children. Number three is this we bless our spouse. Yep, sometimes that can be a challenge. Um, we want to bless our spouse. The, the, Ephesians 5 says something really interesting. Men, listen to this real quick here. It says something interesting about how Paul was talking. He said, you almost, it's this idea of you wash your wife with the word of God. That's the words he chose. You wash your wife with the word of God. You know what that means? It means you pray God's word over her. You speak God's word over her. You use your words to bless your spouse. We can see this all throughout the Bible, that there's this idea. Wives, you got to, listen, 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 wives, listen, listen. Men have egos. We're insecure at times. We're weird. We need you to stroke our ego and build us up. It's just a fact of life. Like, so like, just shower us. Listen, listen, as a matter of fact, there's a great book called The Five Love Languages. Many of you may have read it. Um, but, but in it, it talks about these five different ways that we all receive love. And one of them is encouraging words. I'm telling you, if, the, if your spouse speaks that love language of needing encouraging words and you're not giving it to them, it is like walking in the desert with no water. So be a person that, that blesses. Be a person that encourages. Some of you are, are, are the same way with your spouse. Well, if they did something, I would praise them. Or if they would ever do it. Listen, if you want to see something happen in your spouse, begin to speak it over them before they do it. Does that make sense? Like, you, if you don't like what you're seeing, look at what you're saying. Because if all you have are those critical words and put down words and negative words and nagging words, all those things, you're going to get what you're saying in life. That's what Solomon said, that you will eat of the fruit of your tongue. And so bless your spouse. Hey, here's a weird one. This is a tough one. And I'll explain why I think it's in here. But we bless our enemies. Yeah, we bless our enemies. Don't really want to. I'd like to punch my enemies. <laughs> Jesus said, I want you to bless your enemies. Listen to this. Listen to this. Matthew 5 verse 44 says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now this seems so counterintuitive. Do you know why you, you bless your enemies? It's because when you bless your enemies, you break their hold off your life. See, many times we, we, we get so fixated on our enemies, we role play and rehearse and rehash and have these imaginary conversations. We're so mad. We're so offended. I can't believe. And we're constantly thinking about, and you know what that means? They got a hold on your life. They're up in your head. They have straight up camped out in your brain. They have pitched a tent and set up camp and a fire and a sleeping bag, and they are up in your head. 
And now they're dictating your happiness. They're dictating your joy. They're dictating how you feel. They're dictating how you respond to life. Why? Because they're up in your head. And Jesus is like, you know what? If you'll learn how to forgive your enemies and then bless them, bless them, I'm telling you, it will change everything. Here's this, there's a story that I heard recently. and was uh, my, my buddy Shane was telling me this story, I think it was. And he was talking about how these, these pastors had been imprisoned and were being tortured, like beat up and tortured. And he was asking the pastor, well, how did you respond? What did you do? He said, every day at the end of being beat up and tortured, I would look at my captors and say, hey, I want you to know that I forgive you and that there's nothing between us, that you can go to bed tonight knowing that I have no ill will towards you and I love you and I bless you. This happened for like two years. This happened while they were not just torturing him, but torturing his wife. And every day at the end of this torture, he would say, I just want you to know, I, I love you and I bless you. I forgive you. You can go to sleep tonight knowing that I have nothing against you. I bless you. Know that Jesus loves you. He said, eventually, the pastor said, I, I started winning these people to Jesus. <laughs> he said, some of the tortures that I won to Jesus, they would come in and I'd scream and yell and they would beat up on the table and we would just make a big fuss, but they would never hurt me. <laughs> he said, it was just a big show. So they thought that they were torturing me. He said, and finally, after about two years, they, they, they let him out. And he goes, man, how did you endure? How did you get through that? He goes, every day, I determined I would bless my enemies. See, they had no hold over him. And in, in, in doing so, they were able to see, he was able to see his enemies as God saw them. As somebody lost, somebody broken, somebody confused, somebody caught up into something they shouldn't be in. And he was able to love them through. I'm telling you, when you learn how to bless your enemies, you become free. Lastly is this, this is a weird one as well. We bless ourselves. I'm telling you what, some of you are so critical of yourselves. You're hard on yourselves. You're negative on yourselves. You say all kinds of, I'm so stupid and I hate this and I'm never going to be good at that and I'm no good at this. And we keep being negative and critical and beating ourselves up. And the Bible actually says that we bless ourselves. As a matter of fact, there's a story where David... David just does this outright. The Bible says that there's a story where David blows it as a leader, as a, as a military leader, he blows it. He basically runs off after the bad guys in a bad decision, leaves the women and children. This other group comes in and takes the women and children off, and then they come back. The, the camp's been ransacked, and, and then the men, what do you think the men are doing? You think the men are like, David, we're, you're our leader, yay. They're like, you idiot. My wife and kids are gone. Everybody grab a rock. It says they're going to kill David. And so there's this whole battle going on. And the Bible says this. Well, I'll just read it to you. It says this. It says, now David was greatly distressed. That may be an understatement. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughter. But David, it says this in the New King James. In the NIV, it says this. It encouraged himself in the Lord or he strengthened himself in the Lord. Hey, every once in a while, you need to bless yourself. You need, to, you need to claim God's word over your life. You know what? God, I thank you today that I am a child of God. I thank you today that I'm more than a conqueror through you because you love me. God, I thank you that you're power. I thank you that I am your workmanship in Christ Jesus created to do good works. And when you start speaking that over your life, you will eat of its fruit. You will become the thing that you say over your life. There is death and life in the power of God of the tongue. Last thought, if you're taking notes, is this. The reason why this is so important is this, is that once your words are forgotten, their influence remains. There's something powerful about words, the way they make you feel and the way that feeling lasts with you forever. As a matter of fact, if you were here last week, I'll remind you of a little story. When I was in fourth grade, I remember nothing about fourth grade, except I had this one teacher and his name was Mr. Payne. And when I was a very bad student and very rude and disruptive and oh, I was a bad kid, um, he told me, 
And it's the only thing I remember about fourth grade. He told me, he said, Todd, the only thing that comes out of your mouth is? No, it was verbal diarrhea, but you were really close. Verbal diarrhea. Isn't that incredible? I want you to think about, I was thinking about this sermon this week and I thought how incredible that I don't remember anything about fourth grade. I I literally, I couldn't tell you one teacher, one, I couldn't tell you nothing. But I remember that portable because it was a portable outside the normal building and it was Mr. Payne in his social studies class and he said those words over me. He said, Todd, the only thing that comes out of your mouth is verbal diarrhea. Isn't that incredible? I remember nothing about fourth grade but that. It's the power of words. Let me tell you what else I remember. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I was only about 20 years old. And uh, my dad had flown into Ohio where I was at at the time, and he came to hear me preach. And I, I, was, I preached this sermon to a bunch of teenagers on the, the, just the, the influence of your friendships and the power of friendships in your life. And I remember at the end of that, I was talking to my dad. My dad wasn't a big encourager, but my dad came up to me and said, Todd, that's the best sermon on friendship I have ever heard. That was so excellent. I don't remember much in life. If you know me personally, you know that. There's not a lot going on up here. And yet you can see from fourth grade, I remember one thing. And yet you can see from one moment with encouraging, I hang on those words. Why? Because somebody decided to speak life over me and I held on to those words and I let those words define my future. Thank God I didn't let Mr. Payne define my future. I wish he knew now. I wish Mr. Payne, and not so I could stick it to him, I wish he could just see me now so that he would be proud of me. Because more can come out of my mouth than the foolishness of a fourth grader, or as he said, verbal diarrhea. And I just thought that was funny because he said diarrhea. I didn't care, I didn't bother me, but I remembered it though. Here's the question you want to ask yourself. When I speak words... What is the feeling that I want to create in that other person? Do I want to lift them up? Do I want to bless them? Do I want to launch them into their future? Am I a person that's too critical with my words? Do I have rude words or fighting words or lying words or gossip words? God, I need to repent of that. I need to ask for your forgiveness and change the things that come out of my mouth. I want to be a person that blesses with my words. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? As you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, as you are having a moment with the Lord, I want you to examine your heart and ask yourself this question. Is there anything in my heart? If out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, is there anything in my heart that doesn't belong there? Do I have hurt towards somebody? Do I have bitterness and unforgiveness towards somebody? Is there an anger in there? Is there a a wound maybe or a hurt in there? And out of that hurt comes those words. Would you please just take a moment and bring that to your heavenly father and ask God to heal you and to help you? Is there anything in my heart that doesn't belong there? Next question you want to ask yourself is, is God, is there anything that I've said lately that I, I need to repent of? Maybe is there a person that I need to go apologize to and ask for forgiveness? Is there, is there words that I've spoken and I can't get them back, but I can go make amends? Lastly is this, who do you need to go bless? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's just a friend, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an old, old, old friendship that, that went sour, and maybe some bad words were said, and maybe you can go back and just bless. And would you please pray this morning, 
God, help me to become a person who speaks life and not death. God, would you help me be a person that blesses those around me? Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.